David Thorpe, it's time for bringing in. How are you, sir? A little fatigued, but doing good. Yeah, yeah, we can talk about that. Okay, uh, quickly before we start, um, you may have heard us mention it before. This show is part of the Pro-Democracy Podcast Coalition. I think most of us agree that in a functioning democracy, the winner should be determined by the voters. Well, that almost didn't happen in 2020. In some places, it came down to just a few election administrators who stood up to authoritarians and refused to fudge the numbers. Now, extremists are working to intimidate and replace nonpartisan election workers with yes-men who might reject election results. The only thing that will stop them is us. We've partnered with the grassroots pro-democracy organization Represent Us to give you the tools you need to protect free and fair elections. Learn more and get involved. Visit represent.us/pod to learn more. That's represent.us/pod. Um, David, on that topic really fast, by the way, have I brainwashed you yet to listen to the show Will Be Wild? No. Okay, there's a podcast. I'm obsessed with it right now. I think it's really incredibly well done, and it's just a, a, a very way more thoughtful, way less partisan than you would imagine, Dig kind of deep dig into January 6th. It's called Will Be Wild. I really, it gets into a part, um, you'll know when you get to the part called The War Over Pineapple. That's when you're, that's when to me, like the, the angel starts singing, like this is like a really special podcast. I can't wait. Super we'll be wild. We'll I'm be wild. I have a strong recommendation. Yeah. Uh, we are not being paid by anyone for saying those things. No. <laughs> like, awesome. Great. That's just a recommendation. Okay. Um, you just rewatched, you just watched some game two of the NBA finals. It's now tied one, one, uh, after the Warriors kind of crushed a five, you just said they won the whole game in five minutes. Yeah. What happened during those five minutes? Yeah, Boston overpenetrated a few times in the paint and forced shots they didn't need to force. Uh, Horford missed a shot down there. Um, you know, he's pretty tall, but Draymond is such a great contester. And uh, Curry hit a long three and then a circus three. And then Poole hit a relatively long three and then another circus three. <laughs> Game over. <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, Jason, I think Tatum went two or four from the line. Green made both of his free throws, which doesn't always happen. Uh, it was a six, pretty sure it was a six point game with five to play. Six point game with five to play. And then that's how quickly the game ended. Uh, Golden State's done this a few times in this series where they've had big, big surges. Boston's had that one incredible quarter. But um, yeah, I think if you remember, Tatum hits a three. I think it was a switch with Curry and Curry didn't really jump up. We called it a jump switch, jump up into it. And, um, Steve Kerr, camera's on him, and he you could see, get up, get up, get up. I've said that many times before as a coach. Like, it's frustrating, and I hadn't had to go against a great shooter like Tatum ever. This, this wasn't the NBA. Well, they did from that point on. They really guarded people. He may need to be saying the same thing, but Poole was so far away, and on one of those two, and Curry was too. And I could get into the smaller details, like, uh, if you want, one of the ways the Celtics draft uh, uh, guarded – Curry ball screens up top. Mark Jackson talked about the, and so did Jeff Van Gundy, that the Warriors are running a few more ball screens that typically run the Queens and aren't, but they, they run ball screens. They ran more in this game. And one of the ways they defended it on one of the possessions was uh, as Curry's coming off the screen, uh, they, they send help. You know, remember they go, they, if they don't switch it, then, then uh, they, they drop. And then they chase from behind. But Curry can shoot that. So the way the Celtics defended it was the nearest wing closest to Curry left his man on the wing and to go up to protect against the Curry three. So when Tatum hits the three, big shot, uh, very next possession, they run that high screen roll with Curry. The Celtics send wing help. I think it was Grant Williams uh, who leaves Wiggins. Curry throws it to Wiggins. Wiggins throws the porter in the corner, wide open, hits the three right back. So made up for that. The next time, they, the very next possession, I think Golden State realized, okay, we got to run the, one of those naked pick and rolls. There's no help on the side. And so now they do it. Well, you can't drop against that. Now Curry just coming off the screen with no wing help. Boom, bucket, you know, gets the three. Then he makes the circus three on the other side of the floor. That, that the was bench. the one where Mark Jackson jumped on the defense, right? Like and Mark yeah. Jackson was like, you can't yeah. play drop coverage, Steph Curry, right? right? Like, but they had been yeah. playing drop coverage pretty successfully. Yeah. I, I right. think that this is just a guess. I think one of the things they're thinking about is we don't think Curry is a great shooter this year anyway. 
on drop coverage when we're chasing with our length or helping, chasing and helping from the nearest guy. But if there's no one to help from underneath, it's a problem because he really can't get that shot off unless you really do a good job navigating over the top. I do think the Celtics can be better at executing that same drop that they're doing, but it is Steph Curry. Like there is that degree of he isn't a human being, which sometimes he isn't. So there's a lot we can discuss from there, but that really basically the Celtics tried some things. The Warriors countered and they just had two brilliant shot makers scored 12 points on four shots while they were playing great defense and the Celtics missed some shots that they are very, very makeable shots. So you, with the help of a TV producer, Dexter Henry stayed up late making a video, the theme of which was that the Warriors team speed was a, a key factor on defense in this game. Tell us more about that. Well, first of all, thank you for listening. I never assume <laughs> you're a great, you're a great boss and a great friend and a great partner. Uh, I, you know, you're not, you're, you're also not the best guy to get advice from because you're too smart. So your advice to me going to these videos is, yeah, you'll come up with some good idea and talk about that. Like <laughs> pressure, pressure. I want you to hit a circus shot like yeah. Steph Curry. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. So I, I don't know. I'm just watching the game. I have no preconceived notions of what's going to happen. I'm, I don't know. I'm just watching. But it just seemed to me over the course of, of this, the three-quarter game, it wasn't a four-quarter game, uh, which this has happened in Boston a few times now. There's been a number of times where they've not been competitive in the fourth quarter, and yet they're this incredible team. I, I just thought, well, Golden State is racing to spots and then bringing a stiffness, a toughness about them, which Boston tends to play defense that way too. They're not as fast. And I thought it, it, it hurried Boston on, you know, we... It's never the case, Henry, where think about good boxing match between two boxers that have contrasting styles. And I mentioned this on the show some last night. It's rarely the case if they're two heavyweight or great boxing champion level boxers where one just pummels the other and the other guy never gets a punch in. There's a give and take. Well, that's what we're seeing here. Uh, but they're, they're, when you go for the kill is when you can maybe land eight punches to one back in return. Okay. So that's exactly what we're seeing. Boston did it in the fourth. Golden State thought they had them on the ropes in game game one, third quarter. Then Boston came out and pummeled them in the fourth and end of the game. In like nine minutes, the game was over. And they were down like double figures. Well, in this game, uh, Golden State had two third quarter flurries where Boston just got hurried and turned the ball over and over-penetrated, missed shots at the rim. And, and they weren't great shots. They were stupid shots. They were shots that aren't likely to go in. But the pace got them, and the speed got them. And on the other end, Golden State just did what they do. They knocked in those threes, which they could miss the next game. And before you know it, everyone on the bench is got the starters. The bench was full of starters for Boston. Ime surrendered. I thought he was smart to do so. We could talk about that. And Golden State have, have themselves, uh, you know, they tied up the series. It was great. It was exciting. It really was. I mean, the series has so much. I feel like usually by the finals we're watching – just really tired, grinded out basketball, right? There's just people aren't jumping as high, running as fast. And this just feels exciting. This series is electric. That's like the, as I'm watching my TV, I'm like, just look at this. Like, it's a show. It's a, it's a, this is a really good finals. I don't know how it's going to end. You kind of forced me to guess earlier today. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> I but, thought your uh, guess was a good guess. Uh, my guess, yeah. I mean, my, uh, here's the thing. I, I know I'm affected by the most recent game as we all are, right? Like it's, it was hard. It'd be hard for me to pick Boston today. You've picked Boston in seven, which I think is a great pick. I arbitrarily said Warriors in seven today, but um, most, you know, but all in all, I'm like, this is just exciting. It could go like when Boston turned it on a little bit in this game, which happened, right? You get that kind of inevitable feeling, right? You're like, Oh, here it goes. Right. And then when the Warriors, you're like, Oh, here it goes. And like, it's not every series where you have that inevitable feeling about both teams, right? It's kind of fun. Like I can, can really convince myself every game is going either way. And that's, I think that's making of a great series. And I think it's rare. I, I mean, you and I have been, well, you've been covering finals longer than me, but we've been covering together since, uh, 1840. Yeah. 2007, I think was the first year we both did at ESPN. And in almost every case, there's a favorite. Yeah. Right, it doesn't mean the favorites won, but they're like the, the narrative was this is the better team. The underdogs got to do some stuff. Or in the case of a couple years ago, Toronto, Golden State, 
the, 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 the favorite needed to have some injuries, and the underdog still had to play well. Last year was weird, in my opinion. Gerard and I were doing a show after every game. Uh, I, I remember after game two just saying, like, I know the odds are against him, but I still think Milwaukee's going to win this series. I thought they were the better yeah. team. Well, I thought the Celtics were the better team going into this series, but I thought Gary Payton could be a real difference maker. And I had not watched the tape on him. I'm going to watch all his minutes today. Uh, and um, But I think when you said Golden State in seven, I'm inclined to agree with you because of him, which I had foreshadowed last week. I think that one extra elite, and we should really stress that he just isn't a good defensive player. He is an elite defensive player, and he fits the exact kind of strength that Golden State needs. They don't need more size. That's not going to change this. They don't have anyone with that much more size. They need elite quickness and speed and toughness. Mm -hmm. And he brings that. So uh, I got to watch on tape. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't want to do it just based on any one game either. But uh, having that extra defender, because I think he's someone that can give Jalen Brown some problems. Uh, Jalen Brown can't dribble really. But against bigger, slower guys, uh, he's fine. But against someone like Gary, even though we can overwhelm them athletically and size-wise, he can't do it with his dribble. He'll lose it too much. And that's a problem with Boston is they are prone to have a lot of turnovers. But I'm not at all suggesting Boston can't win the series. It's, I still think it's going to go seven. I think we're going to see a few nip and tuck games. I think we're going to see a couple more blowouts like we've seen where just one team served us too much in the second half and the other team can't recover. And then I think they'll settle in and have like, like stone rock fights. <laughs> and then will be rock fights from there yeah. in the last few games. And that favors Boston with their size. Uh, but Steph Curry Ladies and gentlemen, like there's just nothing that there, there's nothing in his bag of tricks that he didn't have. He, it's like, it's like Hermione's bag meets uh, Hawkeye's quiver. Hawkeye seems to have an arrow for every fucking bad guy there is. Or if he needs to traverse trees or roofs, he's got everything. Hermione's got everything in her bag, as my daughter would say. So that's what Curry's offensive game is. There's just nothing you can force him to do that he's not great at offensively. He's just that gifted. Yeah. So in a rock fight, you know, he's like the biggest rock. Tom Haverstrow has done a bunch of interviews with, because he's North Carolina based as is Steph Curry's trainer. His right. name is escaping me right now, but um, seems like a really nice guy. Yeah. And he, he talks in you know great detail about like all the stuff they work on, which is just, and you know, it's just a big bag of tricks. <laughs> it is right. Like there's, I did someone like me watching. It looks like, you know, one good move, but it's matrixed out, right? The decision-making is like, oh, I see the defender leaning here and I see the help coming from here. And so for that, I have like, you know, and he just executes it all so fast. And that's how you become not just a great shooter, but a great scorer. I think I'm a, I use the word tricks I use all the time. I, I think that one of the, you know, I'm not someone that piles on young kids today. And I do get frustrated with some of the trainers we have. I think we have too many trainers doing what this guy's doing and they don't have Steph Curry. I'm all for threes. This is not about threes. We're teaching a lot of players nowhere nearly ready to just be tricksters. Steph yeah. Curry, Jason Tatum, all the elite scorers we have in the world, in the, in the league and the world, they have all the other fundamentals. You know, they, I don't play music, but like they, they could play anything on the piano you want that's fundamental and foundational. Well, now you got to let them experiment with some stuff, whatever, because they have to at the end of clocks, you know? But the average person doesn't get a chance to do that because they'll normally miss. And the few mm -hmm. tricks that they'll make, they might keep them excited. And I like them being excited, but they're not going to help you win basketball games. They're not going to be allowed to do it. Mm -hmm. And so in, you're exactly right. In Curry's case, you've got to be prepared for everything. I say this all the time. Those kind of guys who have seen everything and survived, they are to be respected and admired. I've said that by J.J. Redick. I've seen, I saw high school tape. I went back and watched them in high school. And there's nothing those teams didn't throw at that dude. So how are you going to intimidate J.J. Redick? Well, Steph Curry's seen it all in the NBA. J.J. didn't see that. And uh, in a rock fight, again, he's, he's the biggest rock because I just, he'll make the easy pass too, which is when Boston's at their best. There's a, there's mm -hmm. a thread here, people. Mm -hmm. uh, when the, when the it's not smart for you, and this happened yesterday. Do you remember? You remember how hot Tatum was? So Brown was hot. I thought Tatum took took a one maybe one shot that was like ooh, 
that that wasn't a good shot. That was him saying, well, I'm here too. And later on, I thought Brown forced one that just seemed out of rhythm. And it was after Tatum got going. I, I We're going to talk about Emei later, I know. I, there's no way Emei's not talking about that today. Like, guys, are you yeah. fucking kidding me? Now we're still going to play this game of, hey, I'm here too? Uh-uh. We have no shot to win this series if we do that. I know well, I feel like... So we look, you know, you mentioned turnovers as a big factor in this game. I think this Celtics, I believe, had 18, which is a big number. I, I thought it was um, 19. 19 yeah, could be. 19 um, Marcus Smart had five. Was. Jason Tatum had four. Derek White had three. Nobody else had more than two. Um, so what's wrong with Marcus Smart, <laughs> right? What's wrong? And to me, I'm like, this is an amazing player who I think, two, I see two things. One, he's probably trying to do a, he's trying to push to the max of what he can do, right? He's the guy who wants to make the offense run so that it isn't hero ball, right? So, but he's not exactly Kyrie Irving, right? Like he's, he's, he's at the max of his abilities with trying to do what he can, but also he just looked really tired. He plays so hard on defense, so hard, like the hardest. And so, um, I, I, to me that I, my thought process watching that was like, I see Marcus Smart gets super tired and turn the ball over a lot. And then I see a lot of garbage time where we start seeing the Celtics bench. And I'm wondering, like, is there anybody here who can just give 15 minutes to just reduce the workload of the Celtic stars, right? It seems like it would help a lot if you could have the sharpest version of Marcus Smart and Jason Tatum, right? And then in that, as that's all going on, the Warriors are getting back Gary Payton, right? And I'm like, ah, like the other team got this, the other team's adding weapon, right? The other team's going to have, they get to spread the minutes around a little thinner to everybody, that, that's why I said Warriors in seven today is because it just seems like we're going to probably have a little bit better every star on the Warriors and a little bit worse every star on the Celtics as, as fatigue becomes a bigger factor. I, I mean, there's a lot because I thought this before the game with Iguodala out and Gary Payton in, that's an advantage to the Warriors. He's just such, he's the exact athlete they need. They don't need an IQ and Andre and experience. They need, I think, athleticism. And so I thought that was a positive the, uh, the physicalness of the series favors Boston over the course of six and seven games. There's that anaerobic tax of having to wrestle those big fuckers. There was one, uh, I think Curry at one point was caught boxing out Horford. This is when the game was still a game in the second half, though. And Horford easily grabbed it. And it reminded me, we wrote about this, of Durant talking about uh, Drogic and uh, whoever else it was. I forget. Um, who are saying like, like they're trying, but you know, they're just little <laughs> against the, <laughs> against the Celtics. It was cute how he put it. Like he wasn't even mad at his guys. They did the yeah. best they could. Um, okay. This is this. So this favors Boston. So that's why I keep saying six or seven games, which I, I think everyone's saying that they're just, there's a lot of evenness to these teams and their plus and minuses uh, kind of counteract each other, mitigate the advantages. Um, but I know this, uh, Marcus Smart is not a really gifted passer. He's a willing passer. There's a difference. And I'm all for the willing passers. For There's sure. a lot of turnovers in that difference. <laughs> right. Well, the willing passer won't have turnovers if he stops trying to be the gifted passer and just makes a simple pass. Yes. The gifted passer, you just have to live with it because they're liable to get 14 assists and have five turnovers. Who wouldn't want that? That's a very good ratio. The willing passer who tries to be the gifted passer and now starts having turnovers is not managing the game well. And I don't think you're wrong. I did not notice fatigue. Doesn't mean he didn't have it. I, I did notice the mistake. Like he, a couple of them were really basic. I was talking to an NBA player this morning, as you know, and he's, he thought a lot of those turnovers were not forced. I agree with them. Uh, I, in other words, it wasn't just great defensive play. It was also mental mistakes by Boston. They, they definitely were cat. They weren't, they weren't casual in the paint. They weren't as tight as they need to be. And also they overpenetrated two or three of those turnovers alone when the game was changing into heavy warriors. And then of course it, it, impossible for them to lose. They were trying to make passes right around the rim and it was converged with golden state dudes who had raced there and they just needed to kick the ball out, like make it simple. They got to get in their offense earlier so that when they get in the paint and help comes, they have time to kick it out and then swing again, whatever. These are all adjustments that I'm, I'm sure they'll make. And, uh, I don't know that they're going to continue to live with Curry's threes because he's Steph Curry. So they got to give some thought to that as to how do we make sure every shot's a contested three 
and uh, and then Jordan Poole coming alive. First of all, he had the drive dish to Looney for a left-hand bucket, and then he had those. So Looney accounted for, I'm sorry, Poole accounted for eight points at the end. Those were big eight points because we've seen Boston come back from a, a, a teen deficit after three against Golden State on the road. This was in the 20s, and that was eight wow. points. That's a lot of fucking points in the last minute and a half of the game. So that's music to Golden State's ears, but now Boston's got to be thinking more about how do we punish Jordan Poole? And that, and then, so you attack them. Warriors bring their speed to the paint. You got to throw it out and make a play from there. And uh, this will be where the yin and yang of the series goes for the next couple of games, I think, in Boston. You said, and I'm quoting here, um, I think we will see game-deciding runs in second halves in next few games. Um, why do you say that? Yeah. yeah, I think because both teams are prone to turnovers and elite defenses – they're, they're both. They, they're prone to turnovers and they have elite defenses. And I think that the other, the, um, the offensive side is going to take advantage of it until fatigue just wears everyone down when it becomes that rock fight. So, yeah, I mean, I, it's everyone has runs. I'm talking game ending runs. We've, we've seen two game ending runs in a row. And I just, I would not be surprised if we see two more, especially because uh, game three is first game in Boston. You know, you would think Boston would be capable of doing it, doesn't mean they will. And they only have one day off in between. So now there's really going to be a situation where um, they're just not going to be as mentally sharp. They just won't be. And, uh, and so, so they play Wednesday, Friday, and then it's the next game, Sunday or Monday? I want to say it's Monday. It seems like Top a quiz. quiz to me. Yeah, usually they're Sunday. <laughs> I um, know it is, but for some reason, I want to say they had the extra day for travel. Monday, I think they have the extra day for travel. Boom. That's what I thought. So that's good. So the, there's only that one day off in between games three and four. Uh, that's going to be the team that loses game three is going to be up against it some because they're going to have new teams going to have extra time to recover, but they're both just so prone to have terrible five minutes and against great defensive teams that can really get hot. I don't want Boston shot from three for the game, but for much of the game, they're at 50%. That's why Draymond wasn't right to say they can't do it again. Yeah, they can. Yeah. That's not, that's not the only story there. And I'm glad Golden State found a way to win as easily as they did, despite Boston shooting so well. Uh, it won't happen every game, but it can happen more than one game. So some quick things. Uh, you noted that Robert Williams was basically playing center field the whole time, guarding nobody, and and Golden State kind of figured out a way to punish them for that. What did they? Yeah, do? I think I think it sounds like after game one, uh, Golden State said when 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 Williams is on you, Looney, uh, or Gary Payton. One time it was get to the dunk spot, right? Let's make sure we can make them make him pay. Uh, uh, for uh, for helping everybody by getting a bucket. He's, I mean, he's very much a difference maker on defense, as I see it. Uh, guys are aware of him. He is blocking shots, but but you can mitigate that a little bit by getting an easy layup. And and Looney looks more athletic than I've ever seen him look. Uh, I think he's just healthier. He's so patient. He's such a his stat smart. line was basically perfect. I forget what, but he had like n- yeah. no bad stats and all good stats. I'm like, yeah, he just makes easy plays on offense yeah. and doesn't for. I mean, I, I I tell you this, I really think they should explore. They should sign him. I don't know if they will because he's going to demand a decent. I think he'll demand a decent salary, uh, and they. I think that I would try to teach him into being Draymond. I think at what for at one point, guys, Kevon Luna was the top five player uh, in the country for high school. Mm-hmm. But that was all American, and then he just got hurt a lot. And I just, he looks, I don't know this to be true, and you know I know his agents and stuff. I have no idea if he's really healthy. I've never even asked him. I'll talk to those guys about him after the season. He looks healthy. He's moving in a way I've never seen him move before. I think he can really pass. He can't really shoot yet, but I think he should be able to. He's a super high IQ guy, and I think he can play the blender of the Cuisinart in the way Draymond does without the emotional baggage, you know? He's a hell of a defender too. He just does it differently, and he—he, he, it seems like they missed some offense, offensive rebound passes he made last night. But it surprised me because they tend to make the ones he gets and kicks out. Clay missed a tough one last night, uh, and Clay, by the way, I don't like Mark Jackson saying he shouldn't settle. This is Clay Thompson. He probably has you know fifty million dollars in the bank because he quote settled for three. <laughs> But I do think if you can attack and get an easier shot, you should consider doing it and kick it out if they bring extra help. 
It's why I think Boston's better than Dallas. Dallas isn't just shooting cont- mildly contested threes when they can tack the rim. And if you get a bunch of people coming, they'll kick it out if they do if they're doing it right. Clay found a way. I do think we're not, we're not machines. Have you have you seen the video of the robot in Japan that just makes threes? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, we're not robots. Human beings do have an emotion. I try to get them not to be emotional, but it's hard. And so when Clay's missing a bunch of shots, yeah, go find a way to get a bucket if you can. He is the least human guy of all the shooters, typically. He's like a cyborg, they always say, but he's human. And so I thought that was good. And I think it got him going a little bit, too, because he's been struggling on defense some, and I think that that energy helped him a little bit defensively. Um, Al Horford barely scored in this game after scoring like water in the first game. What's the difference there? Oh, I just think Golden State was way more aware that, that like we know he can beat us. Let's just – I think it was a calculated move in game one. Like, like guard and, him? Was that one of the things? Yeah, like, like, yeah. Like, like I said, when Kerr was saying get up, I think, he want, I think he thought his team – he's right. We are good enough to guard everyone and be able to help with our speed. They did it against Dallas. The difference is Dallas doesn't – those guys don't tend to drive as successfully as Boston, as we've written about and talked about. But Golden State's team speed is, like I said in the video, Miami's, when they had the three fastest guys at their defensive positions in the league, in uh, Bosch, LeBron, and Wade. And then Chalmers, I don't think Chalmers was the fastest guy, but he was a steals king. He might have even led the league in steals one year. That was his specialty too. And so that kind of team speed can be counteracted with quicker ball movement and quicker shots. Mm-hmm. Just make sure you're open, but let, let it go. The more we pass the more they can get into our way and speed us up. And so I, th- I think, I think Emei's probably talking about that now for, uh, for um, Wednesday. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about Emei for a second. Okay, so yesterday okay. we talked, and you noted um, that for some reason the Celtics just play crazy hard, right? And there's obviously – this, this means great things for Emei as a coach. Um, and Sanjay and I will – anybody who's seen that team would know that you are not lying. Um, and then it's pretty obvious, you know, he does the little end of quarter interviews and, you know, the media does, he talks all the time about, and they're like, Oh, you're trailing after one quarter. What's the secret? And then I think you already know what he is going to say, right? He's going to say, we got to be more physical, right? We got to get up into them or it's always this message with some other message too, but he says that in a certain way. And then, so that's kind of, those facts are floating around in my oversized head. And then, uh, and then I'm remembering that, like, you know, well before he was a head coach, I mean, a decade ago, I was pursuing this story about Ime being on the Nigerian national team. Ime was an assistant coach, I think in San Antonio, maybe in Phoenix um, at, the, at the time. And I heard this whole story that basically there was a, a giant brawl after a Team Nigeria road game in Algeria. And after the game, fans, bad stuff, big fight. And Ime was like some kind of superhuman in like leading his team to safety or whatever it was. The details have always been a little fuzzy, like they are with every fight story. But um, that's what the Ime story was in the Whisper Network of the NBA before he became known as this guy, right? And um, right. So, I, so I went to him. And, I was, and you know, most teams, the assistant coaches aren't allowed to talk to someone like me on the record. You have to get permission. So first you have to get the person like willing to tell the story, then that they're willing. Then you go to the team and say, hey, can we do this? And then they say, so I'm at the stage of just trying to get his buy-in. And I look at his face and I tell him that what I know about this story. And he just gets a little, just a little bit of a smile. Just enough that I'm kind of like, like, he didn't say like, oh, you reporters with the stupid stuff. He was kind of like, hmm, hmm. Which we, made we me kind of, we call that a hint of a smile. A hint of a smile. <laughs> and uh, it was enough to make me really, really want to do the story. Uh-huh. But basically he was like, I don't think I want to talk about that. And I'm like, oh, God damn it. Um, but uh, <laughs> yeah, this is how it goes. This is how this job goes. So right. anyway, late years after that, um, I think it has made the rounds now a little bit. Um, his then Nigerian teammate, Gabe, and it's embarrassed. I don't know how to say the last name properly. Um, Wainiki, maybe. Um, he wrote about it on Hoops Hype. Um, this is what he wrote. Uh, Ime, he was taking people out like in Mortal Kombat. Finish him. Incredible. I was so out of it as I had five guys I was fighting. Oh, yeah. The crowd jumped in as the fight spilled over to the court of the championship game of Senegal and Angola. In the middle of the whole thing, I heard Ime literally in mid-swing of another opponent say, watch back, Gabe. And he calmly, I mean calmly, smeared a guy who, as I turned to see his warning, jumped from the stands with a chair to probably kill me or knock me out to where the 
to where the crowd could have. I mean, Ime caught the guy in midair with a fist and calmly continued his dispatching of oncoming people. <laughs> so I am like, A, who knows if that even really happened that way? But I'm thinking about like Jimmy Butler is having a little squabble with Eric Spolstra, right? And Udonis Haslam has to be kind of the muscle who's like, settle down, Jimmy, right? Or there's that famous story of um, the police ran to the locker room in Oklahoma City because Draymond Green was screaming at Steve Kerr, right? And um, th this, like, I'm not saying that any coach involved is, like, physically threatening to their players or that anyone's consciously even thinking these things. I'm just saying that in addition to all of the human qualities and leadership qualities that EMA has demonstrated and, you know, switching up the defense and calling out his dudes in in the media at times in an effective way. And he's got a big heart and he just seems super calm except for when he was yelling at the ref yesterday. But, um, but, uh, but in addition to that, come on, like he's a mortal combat level champion. Like, I think this is a little bit of a tool that gives you a certain kind of like, like you, Jimmy Butler's not yelling at him. Right. Like it's just, it kind of matters. I think, I think there's a little bit one more like, Oh, Ime is kind of a badass, and he's a, what is he six nine? Six, no, eight, no, like, no. He's six. He might look. He might look six nine. I would argue he fights six nine, but I think yeah. he's like six five. But your point is, I think he perfect. was like six three before I heard this story, and now he's like. Six, <laughs> nine. That's where I land. Um, <laughs> six six, uh, according large, to Wikipedia. Six, yeah. six six. So let's say six five, because back when he played, you didn't have to be honest. So he's probably six four, <laughs> six five in sneakers. Um, so I, I think the larger point, and it's a, a really incredible point, is uh, as coaches, we, we, we always have to be in search of that, that, that quality, that je ne sais quoi quality, right? That, um, that the player just connects with you and feels you and allows you to invade their soul to do what is almost beyond what they even imagined before or, or thought they could accomplish. And there's, there's a number of ways, maybe not a million ways, but there's a number of ways uh, to do that. It, I think it always starts with um, consistency and decency. It didn't used to be this way. Uh, unfortunately, I think our players from 30, 40 years ago, me included, we were just so used to dealing with military-style mil military coaches um, that we found it almost like, a, it was like it was like endearing to be Bobby Knighted, you know, as a player. I don't think that works so much anymore. Uh, I, I know my my way to do it, which I don't have the same job Mimi does, is I think I'm like their grandpa. <laughs> it used to be like their dad. I'm getting closer in age now where I'm just going to be decent and intelligent and, and kind to them and really, really honest. If something sucks, I'm like, that was just fucking terrible. And I laugh about it. Like, we're not going to cry about it. We're just going to get better. I think Yudoka's got all these qualities and he's a badass, right? Holy shit. That's a fucking hell of a coach in this day and age. Like he is not ever going to threaten to touch. He is never going to, he's a bright dude. That man knows if I lay hands on any player, unless he does it to me first, I'll never coach again. And who would ever I, want to ruin yeah. that? I suspect, that, I mean, now I'm doing a really dangerous thing, which is like psychoanalyzing from afar. But let's say you're Draymond Green really upset with Steve Kerr or Jimmy Butler really upset with Eric Spolstra, right? Like on some level, I think you're anxious, right? Like you have strong feelings about how we're going to succeed, how we're going to be okay, right? And you're not totally sure we're doing it the right way, right? You're not totally convinced. And I think if you take um, Gabe's emotional reaction to this stressful moment with Ime, like Ime's point is, watch your back, Gabe. Like he's keeping him safe. Right. I think that that's how it works to me is like, like we got this guy in exactly. our team. Like that's exactly like, what I was just going to say. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think that. So willing to coach them, check, willing to uh, not necessarily be innovative, but willing to just not be so basic with how they mm -hmm. play, check, knowledge of the game, check, totally in control of his emotions, check. These guys don't like it when guys lose their shit. Uh, I, I don't, I've never encountered an NBA player that does. They don't mind if they do sometimes. They don't want their coach to lose it. And also would maybe win any barroom brawl 
Even if the players were involved, check. Like, we'll fucking line up with this dude. Yeah. yeah. Whatever works for you, you know, whatever works. But yeah. Um, so so here's where it matters, Henry. I mean, they got they've been been outplayed significantly through a good portion of this series. And if you remember um the Boston Miami matchup, Boston outplayed Miami typically and kept being down in the series. Well, we kind of got in reverse now, though it's one one. Boston's been outplayed a ton, and it's 1-1. And if anyone can get Boston to rally up, make the adjustments they need to make, play better, they seem like they have the coach that can do it. They seem like they have the coach that will do the X and O stuff right. He'll strike the right emotional tone. Um, and I think uh, I think he'll inspire them. Like that, that is, the, in a sense, kind of the holy grail. You know, inspire them to believe that they can knock off, you know, one of the greatest offensive players of all time and, and a dynastic team and train on green on defense and all of that. Uh, and, and Steve Kerr has seen it all too. Like, it's not like, it's not like those guys being coached by a bad coach. Yeah. He, he, Steve Kerr, when, when, when Tatum hit that three, uh, a lot of bad coaches might've been like, it's all right. It's all right. We're still up six, whatever. No, he was on like, get up. He was, he was coaching Kerr. I'm sorry. He was coaching Curry. Yeah. Like he wasn't afraid, and then you know the dam busted. So we're seeing really great coaches, like, like we did last year too. They just did differently. Bud is, you know, Monty and Bud are so different than these two guys. Not any less tough, but uh, different. And we're seeing more of the uh, hard coaching style in these two that I think in Monty and and, and Bud and uh, all forward. Great, and it's good. It's good to see different kinds. You know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, it is. Work. Yeah. Um, we're gonna in a second. We're gonna have an argument about uh, MVP, which is great. I'm looking forward to that. Um, but before the one last thing is like, I think I went into the series expecting like Draymond Green and Marcus Smart would play a lot of kind of emotional ref games, right? That's part of what they both do. And often I'm just confused by like you know when you see Draymond like throwing his neck under someone's armpit and then like throwing his body up and it's like i know he's thought it through and it's probably to his advantage but it just seems crazy at some point I'm like what is happening here it's so crazy um so that's all happening but then there was a i'm sure everybody noticed the same thing if you watch the game um the Draymond green had been prominently sort of putting this crazy imprint all over the game trying to get in people's heads i guess whatever he's doing and um and then after it had been going on for a while grant williams on a dead ball basically puts his body right next to Draymond and just starts saying a whole bunch of stuff. And I'm like, oh, like, like it seems like a skill to just cope with what Draymond's doing. But I was like, no, no, Grant's like leveling up. He's like, I, I honestly felt like he's like, no, no, no. Like you have a strategy to get me upset. I got a strategy to get you upset. And I was like, this is a uh, something to keep your eye on. So it could very well be the case that you're right. And I mean, I was inclined to agree with you when we talked about this this morning. It could also be the case where we're completely projecting stuff. Sure. <laughs> they might just be getting each other pissed off. <laughs> they just pissed off. It's totally possible. Absolutely possible. I mean, what I, here's what I said to you. So if we did, I don't know which kind of IQ test, but if we did fast processing, I don't know if they do that. Uh, like these two guys would score as high as anyone playing Mega sports high. or doing physics or whatever. Very, very smart dudes. And also... So if you if you collected the world's smartest people and put them in a room, these two guys with Ime would be around for a long time if there was a fight. Yeah, tough, huge, strong, physical, and they get it, and also smarter than you. And and now they're doing it to each other, and it's hysterical to watch. I know because it very well may be that they're completely in control. It may all be that they're not in control. So it's kind of fun. You don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, it's definitely. I mean, I bring it up on this podcast because I'm like, this is maybe a stupid sideshow of the finals and maybe super important. Cause like right. there's this live current of energy running through the series of like, whatever's going on here, which is kind of hard to decipher from afar. I want to, you know, they, every, every now and again, they play a little bit of the uh, wired thing and the person running the microphone. And I'm always yeah. like trying to note, trying to decipher a little bit of like this part of the game. And that's not the stuff they put on the air. Usually all, it, yeah. all it would be with those two is beep, beep, beep. <laughs> yeah. Pretty sure of that. Yeah, and yeah. not because really, they're back Like, oh, okay, I really want to recommend um, the Point Forward podcast, which is Andre Godala yeah. and Evan Turner. There's just so much interesting stuff. Um, Come on, Looney was on it after a game recently. That's must listen. Really, really interesting stuff. 
Um, Willie Green was on it, and he made a very interesting point. So he get got sort of internet famous for his rallying his team down 10, rallying the Pelicans going into the fourth quarter with saying what he said. And, um, you know, like, we got to love this. Like, we got to fight. Like, we're not taking it. And first he said that right before that happened, he looked up at the clock and saw the clock, saw the score, and was like, oh, well, we had a good run, you know? Like, you know, you can't win them all. And then you realize, like, oh, my God, if I'm thinking that with 12 minutes left, what are they thinking? Like, he's like, I guess I got to, like, really do something here. So he talks to the coach. He's like, guys, like, I got to, like, give them energy right now because like, I'm, I'm just sure I know what they're feeling, right? And so that's when he said that. But then he made one more interesting point, which was he's like, if I had cursed during that speech, no one would know I said it. They wouldn't put it on the air. Um, and he's a religious guy, and he, but he was kind of like, you know, I have to it's it's valuable to communicate these things in a way that's like family friendly because then you can communicate them to more people. So yeah, I thought it, that was fucking great. I'm just kidding. <laughs> that's really high level thinking. It's really interesting. I, um, uh, just like Dumbledore, <laughs> I had two Harry Potter references for the first time in my life. Yeah, I like um, that. words really are such a powerful you know, tool for us. And I'm happy to tell you, my wife and mother would not be that I've been told that I just. Is I have a feel for when to curse the right way to get guys all fired up. Um, I think his point is brilliant, though, because there is something valuable to that. And, uh, you know, there are so many little things involved in these finals, Henry, when you talk about New Orleans. And I know we'll get back to the NBA and the playoffs, <laughs> which the Pelicans didn't quite qualify. New Orleans for. is in the NBA, David. They're in yeah. the NBA. I yeah, checked. Without the playoffs. But I, I hope, Zion Williamson, if you're listening, I hope you're listening. I hope you're watching these playoffs because you really can be the best player in the world and best players in the world tend to be around for a long time in the postseason. But what you're seeing, this is the mental, physical and emotional toll of making it to the NBA finals. And so whatever you're doing in your off time, separate from the two hours around the court with the team, whatever, all that stuff adds up to what you can bring to a game in June. This is for every young player, obviously not just him. But he's the one that's had these issues of staying healthy. Uh, the, these, it is having that kind of health met balance, like Robert Williams isn't, he just isn't, he doesn't run the way he used to be able to run. He, he's, you know, he's struggling offensively just because he isn't bouncy like he was. Defensively, I think he's doing pretty good around the rim anyway. Um, having that health is everything. Early in the game, uh, Steph Curry, Missed the shot, and Jeff Van Gundy commented that he looked kind of down that he missed it. But then they replayed the play, and he he had just gotten fouled, and he was upset. He was like shaking his head. He looks plenty spry to me still. That's super important. Uh, there was a play matters. in game one. He crashed to the floor. Steph Curry did, and um, rolled up onto his shoulders. Oh, went, you remember this? Yeah, yeah. There was yeah. A, he just was super nimble. And I was oh, like, Henry, wow, he's 150 years old and running around and can just absorb. Oh, Henry, you've got a little bit of technical difficulties there, my friend. <laughs> is it me or is it David? <laughs> no, it's definitely you. <laughs> oh. I'm always the scapegoat. Right? <laughs> well, I don't mind well to, to be fair, Coach, you're the, the, the Florida Wi-Fi tends to get a little spotty at times <laughs> not these days anymore that's what they it's, 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 it's been okay but today has been you henry but anyway you want me to sign out curry you can do that you, you were talking about curry falling down to the floor that was a that, that was a that was a yeah. good story yeah yeah let me you, on, let me let me see if it helps us sign back in uh i do have a question while, a, while, while we while, ahead, while he does that coach yeah. um yeah, yeah. you know we talk about email. You guys talked about him a lot. Like, I wonder, I mean, Jackie Mack did a profile on him and that Nigerian nationals team story. Part of that was yeah. in there. Um, it's see, and, and you know a lot about, you read about his upbringing and like, you know, you, you, you know, tough life, right? Dad working multiple jobs, all that got sideswiped by a bus or a van or something when he was a small kid. Jesus. I, he seems to, and Henry mentioned him like kind of getting on the refs and when he gets on his guys and calls them out, like he has a real like distaste and a fundamental issue with not fighting, right? Like I think like, I don't mean like fist fighting. I yeah, mean, mean competing, yes. competing at the highest like, level. I just like that drives him up. It's like, what are you doing? Yeah. How are you not like, yeah. where's the, like if we lose, fine. I, but like, not like this, like that seems to be his thing. <laughs> It, it, it was when I was coaching, nothing got me worse than that. I just, 
I didn't understand that. Like, how are you not? It's a competitive game. How are you not willing to fucking die almost? There's a great. I don't think I've ever said this on the show before, but if you, if you, uh, I'm an old man, so Frazier uh, versus Ali, mm-hmm. literally in one of their fights, I, it might have been, it might have been the first one. They both almost died. Uh, their body temperature was outrageous, mm-hmm. and they had, but they had put like ice mm-hmm. to survive. But you go back and watch the fight; they brought every everything they could, and and so I've used that story many times. I don't want anyone dying. I, I actually have coached. I know people who have coached young men who have died on the court. I can't imagine that tragedy, and never want to. Um, but normally, it's not caused from that. And so, yeah, you've got to be willing to push yourself to the brink. And, uh, and so to get to, to wrap all this up, and I think the best way possible, where the best coaches are in many cases, when you don't quite have it because of fatigue, mental, physical, emotional, to bring all of it into a possession, the best coach brings out of you, right? Gerard, you know, this is a swim coach. Mm-hmm, for sure. and, and, and that's, that's what you do is uh, the guys that don't need you anymore, but good luck finding them. Mm-hmm. Almost everyone runs out of gas at some point, but there may be a tiny little gram left and they can't find it. Your job is to help them find it. Absolutely. Through training, through trust, through connection, and then in the game, bring it out of them. Get them to do it. That's why I say Coach K is the best motivator I've ever seen in sports. Duke, he did not play a lot of guys, but you would never know it until really late in the year sometimes, of, of late especially. These guys just bring everything they got. I think, he, And I think... I think Roy Williams was great too with that. There were two, and Ime is right there now. Just really great. Doc Rivers for a long time was so good at that. Not so much anymore. He was trending on Twitter, by the way, the other, the other day. But I've been traveling. Who, Doc? Oh, I, I didn't say anything yeah. about Doc. You know, I looked that yeah, up. Yeah, I did. <laughs> but nothing new is happening, right? Nothing I know of. I thought maybe I missed something. I, Boy, the one like thing I know job. is <laughs> I listened to the Gilbert Arenas podcast, and Gilbert just hates Doc. Like, and Gilbert says that he sent word to mm, the Philadelphia to Elton Brand through an intermediary before being like, don't you like, it's going to ruin everything if you hire that guy. And now he basically just like told you, <laughs> like, anyway, I don't know if that's what caused him to be trending, but it was, I was like, there's a whole other story there. That's pretty cool. Yeah. All right. Let's, um, let's get in our fight. And then we're going to let you Gerard, we're going to let Gerard settle the score. All right, I'm going to, no yes. Pressure. Okay. Perfect. No pressure. No pressure. Just remember, I live in Florida. I've got extra bedrooms, pool, pool, jacuzzi, whatever okay, you want. Okay, okay. Henry, what do you got? What, what, what you got, Henry? This is, let's make well, a deal. I, and also, the, the world's hey. best beach, Clearwater Beach, 15 minutes away. What I have is an argument Henry's with got strong new evidence behind Henry's it. Henry's got new <laughs> Henry, Henry, Henry. Have we learned nothing from all of my time talking about the capitalist machine? You out here with science and facts. Coach is telling me about beaches, pools, and houses with bedrooms. See? He's going to win. It's just how it works. He's going to win. But uh, let's give it a go just for the listeners, right, you know, just make it kind of fun. <laughs> All right, David. What's, right, what's, make, your, what's your stupid argument? argument. <laughs> okay. Okay. Here's my argument. Here's my – David Thorpe is aware of a debate about Jimmy Butler and Jason Tatum and who's MVP, who played the best in that series, and he's like – and David's going to help us out. He's going to deliver some wisdom from the mountaintop, which is the most valuable player can only be from the team that won. That's his point. Okay. Okay. Explain, is that fair? Right. Is if, that right? If you want to, right. If you want to give it to the most outstanding player, call it that. And then you could pick someone from the team that didn't win four games in seven, which is the only way to win the series. But if we're going to call it most valuable, the, the most valuable is the one that w- wins the series because that's what makes the most money. And gets the, the gold and the trophy and all of that. I just feel I like suppose, to the winner goes the spoils, period. Let's pause for a second. I think maybe there's an interesting question here. What does the word valuable mean? I mean, we're arguing semantics. So I know what, what, this, what this argument is, right? Like, what? No, what, we should at least define. Is, I mean, I don't really care what it means. But like David just said, money. I agree with you. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Defining it would be great. I completely yeah, agree. So valuable for David, time. the definition is winning. That, yeah. Because that is the most important thing in a contest between two teams, right? Is who ultimately wins. So, 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 so I would, David, and, that is the most valuable. I'm taking and that. We can I'm know. Taking that. I think David's full of shit on this. I think that my definition is winning, which is 
do you what degree do you change your team's fortunes when you're playing right mm. like so if i take a team that has 20 percent odds of winning and make it 50 percent odds like and my team happens to lose that game like i think i'm more valuable than if everyone on the other team had contributed 10 percent. okay right? so like so really guys i'm saying like what oh, we're what doing you here? Actually, to me no what we're so here's it's lebron with the yes and andre Iguodala in the finals that year that's that's what we're talking about if lebron or is not on, on that I was finals thinking team of more as, like that one's fine, but I'm thinking that, I mean, that's a great example, but um, I was thinking even more about the year they won in seven games when he was back in Cleveland and he has like a, basically a bad roster. They won game seven by four points. If they happened, if, if Kevin Love had missed two threes in that game or a three and a two, or whatever, then they lose. And LeBron's performance is identical. So now we think this was the best performance, the highlight performance of arguably the best player of all time. And you wouldn't give it to him because Kevin Love missed a couple of fucking shots. Like, Come on. Mm, I see what you're saying, Henry. I see what you're saying. Yeah, so do I. I win. It's it's, it's winning. It's winning in the aggregate. (laughs) It's winning in the aggregate, right? Like ultimate, like the end result versus. But what did you do to impact winning? Right? Like Kevin Love missing two threes. That has nothing to do with LeBron. You make or miss shots. Like he missed them. Well, in this case, he made them. But again, that three quarters of an inch off or whatever. Is LeBron now all of a sudden, oh, you're not valuable anymore. I, I, I get it from that perspective. So here's what we do, guys. Simple. Define you define what it is, right? We say either valuable or outstanding, whatever. The, and you want to put your numbers to it. Okay, it's got to be what your team's percentage are of winning, all that. Put it in. And then so a losing player can, in fact, win. I mean, Jerry West did win the NBA Finals MVP when he lost, right? Like, it can happen. It's possible. Like, LeBron probably... It's almost never happened. So first of all, let's go back a little bit. So my argument would be if if Kevin Love had missed those shots, who gives a fuck what LeBron did? They lost They lost the series. <laughs> In other words, he could have scored zero points, had zero rebounds, got zero assists, and they would have lost. They already did lose. It didn't matter. What does it matter if you lose? You lost. All we're trying to do is win the game. If you no, can't no. be valuable enough to help your team win the series – what does it matter what you did? Who cares? Okay, let's let's well, bring this together. Is the there problem anything... is you go, you go, Drew. It's it's a team sport, right? I think it's a team. That that's that's the that's the problem, right? It's that to your point, David. Like it's not five individual games of one on one, right? It's team. Yep. I can only do so much as an individual, and if I've tapped right. out to my max and given right. everything I possibly could, and the series went seven games, and we lost at the buzzer because a dude on my team missed a shot. How am I any less valuable than the team, than the guy on the winning team who averaged less points, less rebounds, less assists? His team just got lucky and they won. And I, they I won. say this, like <laughs> we, do we have, let's brainstorm together. Do, can we think of anything that we do to honor the team that wins the NBA championship? Oh, wait, yeah. we give them they get the trophy. everything. <laughs> yeah. They get a big fucking trophy. They're, they're That's every, how even the 15th guys. Whole life has changed. In addition to all of that fucking per- literal parade of yeah. stuff, True. we yeah. also have an individual award, which is a little bit different. It has a different definition, right? And like, I agree that it should definitely usually go to someone from the winning team. It just makes more sense. But I honestly, I think it really matters to me. Like in the early days of advanced stats, there was like this bunch of years where like, like pretty much if you dug in deeply at all, this was a revelation to me. Like Kevin Garnett in Minnesota was the best player in the NBA. His team just sucked. <laughs> nobody, nobody knew that. It was just hard to, it was hard for our brains to take that in. Then he gets worse and goes to Boston. And wins the championship. Everybody writes mm-hmm. about how he's the best player of all yep. goddamn time, right? Yep. And like, we, I, this matters a lot in my, in real life, because I think it matters a lot to people who are in struggle, right? It's like, a, a lot of us feel like Kevin Garnett in Minnesota, right? And it's like, like, you know, I think you want to, if you're trying to inspire your kids or whatever, it's like, you just don't get the results all the time. You just don't, but you might be incredible, right? And you might yeah. play worse and then get the trophy. To me, like, I think we just want to open people's minds a little bit to the idea that, like, sometimes the best player doesn't win. It's just how it goes. I mean, it's true, right? Like, I mean, you would argue in that series, David, when the Cavs came back from down 3-1. LeBron James was the best player in that series, correct? His team lost, but he was yeah. the best player in that series. Yeah. Sometimes the best player doesn't win. Right, but, we, yeah. but we don't call it best player. We call it most valuable. So had they lost the series, that again the Curry. And, or, and here's the other, other thing, and this is not – Just, yeah. well, I'll be real quick. I said this to Henry earlier. 
The other thing is the nine people or whatever that are voting for this, they're not really watching the game. And, and I'm mad at them. These, these media guys, they, they, these media men and women are up against it. Deadline issues and other stories to follow. No one's really running a game story anymore. They're getting the play-by-play. They're talking to people. They're, they're not, I mean, I'm re-watching plays live. I can't, last night I was in a hotel room, but normally I'm re-watching three or four, then I catch up a commercial. They can't do any of that. And so we're asking them to look at both teams. Just pick the guy that was most important for the winner. Listen, they fucked that up that year too because <laughs> Steph Curry clearly was the best player in that one. So, so we already give them too much power. I literally said to Henry, if you made it most valuable and just let a computer do it, I'd be fine with that because I would trust that more than I trust anyone else. Well, you know what we really should do is like it, 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 it and this will, I think, solve that problem, that problem possibly. I know it's more awards, but it's not, you know, the crowd that's like everyone, give, I'm not giving everybody a trophy. Like they do in the World Cup and they do the starting, not whatever. Like, we should be a playoff. Oh, that's a great idea. There should be a playoff all NBA team, right? Like, what a great idea. All five dudes from the winning team ain't going to be on the all. That's just, no. right? That's not how that works. It's just not going to happen that final way. Final four, final eight, right. yeah, second round, whatever. Do what a it, great idea. And then, and then have, instead of just a finals MVP, have a playoffs MVP, right? Because. There is someone who could possibly drag his team to a conference finals or and just, dude, all world. And, you know, shit just bounces bad and you're unlucky. And, and you don't nah, win that, it. No, nah, you should have quit with your head, Gerard. The first idea was fucking good. The first idea was so good. The, the 11 guys, what a great idea for but, me. You're going to do a six-man. But, Coach, it happens in the regular season. The regular season, the MVP does not always win the championship. I don't mind that. That's 82 games. <laughs> Right? What difference no is four series. rounds? <laughs> because you're not winning anything in the regular season. You're just winning one particular they do game have at games. a time. There's nothing else. <laughs> they do have huh? games. <laughs> you're winning seeds. They have games. They do have games. You are winning games. No, but right. But if not, you're not, there's no go home if you lose kind of thing like there is for the playoffs. So you're winning seeds. I, just, I, only, brought it up, is I only brought it up because. Bad losing. That's I all I'm hearing it, right now. <laughs> the, the only, I only brought it up because I. I think this could be a series where it's so tight. One, the Celtics have more of a team. The, uh, well, they have two dynamic guys. The Warriors really have one. Looney's not going to win anything. Green's not. It's going to be Curry or Tatum or Brown. We can all pretty much agree to that, probably. And if the Celtics win it and Curry is, ends up having the best numbers, I don't think he should get it. I think, and vice versa. If this, if the Warriors end up winning it, obviously it's easy because then we know Curry. Even if Tatum that's plays why, amazing, a Brown down the stretch, give it to Curry. That's why Steph David, Curry were and you I are the coach? your lawn. <laughs> David, were you were you the coach of the huddle when you were young coach saying, "Guys, second place is the first place loser." <laughs> <laughs> definitely not, but that's the reality we live in. Yeah. So if we no, if, if we if we're not. doing a playoff All NBA team, just one, because I don't have time to go through two or three. Who yeah. would be? on the all-NBA playoff team right now. For this year? Yeah, for this year. So if we're going to go, I, I say you got to go starting second round and beyond. Uh, uh, okay. I, I Giannis is on there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Gian, Gian, yeah. Final eight, Giannis is on it. Okay. Um, Jimmy, boy, Jimmy Butler's got to be on it. Really good. You know, people keep talking about Jimmy Butler, but you know, this is what I was saying to Henry. Uh, he had some really terrible games in that series. They lost those games, and they lost the series. How valuable could he be? It, it was great that he won, played really well in their wins, but it wasn't enough wins, and he sucked in the losses, and he was injured. <laughs> not criticizing for that. He was beat up. Sounds like criticism but, I mean, to me. <laughs> was, but if we're doing positions, Giannis gets that spot over Oh, no, no, no positions. Thing. We're just, just the best five. No, 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 oh, no yeah. stupid-ass position shit. Five. But I like their 11-guy thing. Five, five yeah, guys. I, I mean, does Luca make, make the All NBA team? Yeah, Luca makes it. Yeah, Jimmy, Luca, Giannis, Tatum, Curry, maybe. That probably, uh, yeah, it sounds about right. I'm not hearing yeah. Jose Alvarado. <laughs> yeah, he didn't make the playoffs, Henry. I think it should be Giannis, Jimmy Butler. Jose Alvarado, Jose Alvarado, and Jose Alvarado. Done. <laughs> Great. Coach by Ime. That'd be a tough team. Yeah. We, we love yeah. it. No, I, you know, I think it's, we, we talk about it all the time, right? We do this thing where, and it's hard because it's just the nature of, of this sport where 
everything gets reduced down to that ultimate thing, right? Winning that championship. And it's like, as Henry, you always say, it's a one in 30 lottery chance. Like that's sometimes some fucking weird shit happens and you don't, and you're just unlucky. Doesn't mean you're bad. You're just unlucky. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, and I think how do we, how does our, how do our brains process being bad or being unlucky? Right. And I don't think we know how to do that as humans. Gerard, we don't I want to. I will defend Henry on one any time. <laughs> <laughs> I will. I will defend one thing of of Henry's that I, oh. I'm completely on board with. the 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 argument this is not about the MVP as much as Henry's arguing that we need to look at the totality of a player's impact in a game, not just his score. Right. And I, obviously, I value defense. I, I say to players, I, I've written this and said it. Teams always talk about defense, but they never draft thinking about right. defense. Then they get their ass kicked <laughs> by the team that draft the guys that can guard or sign them, you know? And, and of course, so that, I value that. I, I absolutely believe, like I said, I trust a machine more than I trust a person because that who's setting better screens, who's on the court when the team's doing better, who's sharing the ball and not losing it, who's playing good defense on and off the ball, rebounding. All, I don't just want to give it to the high score. I agree with that. And, and that's the thing, right, Henry? Those those things that coach just mentioned, those aren't sexy things, right? Like when someone, Sometimes, when the casual, yeah. I mean, to us, because we're like deep basketball people, but like when the casual yeah. fan turns on the TV, who set the right, that, that's not what their eyes see. Yeah. They don't, right? Yeah. They see, oh my God, look at that posterizing. Like that's, that's what their eyeballs and their brain connects to, not all the other things that made that awesome thing happen, right? Like that doesn't yeah. happen without these things. And I think it's just hard to conceptualize that. And how, to, how do we reward that? I don't think we, we know how to do that. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I mean, and then we did I, like I did. So we spazzed. We gave Andre Godala the Finals MVP for as like a nod to that part of the game. Exactly. Like when we're like, right, let's but, just turn it off. Wrong, the next right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, like he like he shut down LeBron, who we're arguing was the best player in the series. <laughs> and you're gonna give it to Andre. I talked to an NBA player the other day, a high scoring guy, and we laughed about how terrible his team was at setting screens and how much he would love to have a big guy that actually set screens, really set them. Uh, because that shit matters. Like, that's why Kevon Looney is so loved. He will hit you, and it's not him hitting you. That's illegal. He'll stand there when he gets hit and not budge. Mm. He ain't looking to rush to pop. He's going to let your Curry and Poole and those guys, Clay, run their men into him, stay sturdy, stand on the same way, and then play from there. There's value to that. I get that. Helpful to have guys built like Draymond, Grant Williams, P.J. Tucker, dudes who don't mind taking yeah. it on the chest because they're, they're quite barrel-chested dudes. <laughs> No joke, man. Yeah, that's got to yeah. cause some pain right there. Because- I don't want to run into them, dudes. <laughs> no. Are we good? All right, no, you guys. We got, are we Thank doing game three predictions? Game three, no. what? Are we doing game three predictions? Oh, I mean, why not? We're here, you know, predict game three. What do you think, Gerard? Uh, I think Boston bounces back in this one. Two, 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 two days off, first game at home. The crowd is really lathered. You know how those folks get in Boston. Be real lathered up up there. I can I can see it getting a little ugly. Um, So I like I like Boston in that one. Henry, I'm really struggling with this. I was, <laughs> I, I think I'm going to say Golden State. Neither, um, neither team has lost two games in a row in the playoffs, right? I know that's amazing. No. It's, it's a hardcore fact. Oh no, yeah, probably you're it's right. Easier. I, I, yeah, I, I, I think that, um, I think they're just. I think that Marcus Smart just asking too much of him right now. I think it isn't enough for us mm. for him. Um, that's my oh, really quick, because you brought up something, Henry, before you make your prediction, David. You know, we talked about people on the bench. Do we think Aaron Neesmith can give minutes? So you were like, nope, get him <laughs> no, out of I here. asked David that. <laughs> David's like, hell no. <laughs> I, I don't mean it in a ba- bad way. I do think you, know, you played him a little bit earlier on in the playoffs. He did not do well, except he blocked three shots miraculously when Smart was out that one game. I, in my, I, I, I don't think it's a terrible idea to try it. Up 10, up 12, uh, up 6, whatever, second quarter. Give him a couple of minutes, see how he does. But it, it's it's really an unfair yeah, ask at this point. Um, but you're not wrong to think that you got to spell Marcus some. Gerard, here's a fun question. This puts David in an emotional state that you don't often get him in. David, do you think Nick Stauska should play? <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait. Did you guys see Vivek was at the game behind the Celtics bench? <laughs> yeah. What's going on? Yeah. He's a yeah, long-time, yeah. long-time Warriors owner. He was part of the Warriors ownership group. I, I know, but like he's not anymore. You can't yeah. own two teams. No, but, but that's <laughs> he a, loves, he's, he that's a posse, you know. Yeah. And and the fact Stauskas. that Stauskas got in the game, and <laughs> I can see him being like Stauskas, Stauskas, Stauskas. Right. That's I, all I, I ever think, think about I, when I see him. Yeah. Right. I think Boston 
Um, I, I mean, I, I normally pick the better team in every game, and I'm not sure Boston is anymore with Gary Payton there. Uh, but I need to see one more game. I haven't watched tape yet. I might change my mind an hour and watch tape right now of all Gary Payton's minutes. I'll probably write about him. But um, I think the Celtics, yeah, they'll they'll clean up some of the stuff they messed up on. And you know what? If, if Curry and Poole hit four threes in two minutes, uh, all from 28 and beyond guarded, yeah, there's a good chance they're going to win. But And I think they could easily win game four by 20 points. Golden State. No, One no, of these two games, I think both these games won't be all that competitive either, I'm afraid to say. Noted fact, as much as the Warriors are this, you know, everyone thinks of them as this three-point shooting team, the Warriors and Celtics are basically identical all playoffs long from shooting threes in terms of percentage-wise yep. and makes, and so it's not like there's this yep. decided advantage from the three-point line. <laughs> nope. One team will get hot, one team will get darted well and turn the ball over and they'll be down 15 in the second half and that'll be that. That'll Hopefully be that. not. All right. see a close game. You guys be back on Friday. Looking forward to it. Thank you very much. Thank you, David. Thank you, Trot.